this point in our service, we're going to have our scripture reading. So I'd like to invite Lisa to come on up and uh, she'll read a portion of today's passage. All right. So today's scripture is 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 16 through 21. I will read the first two verses in Japanese and then the whole passage in English. Deskara, seken no hyoban ya, gaiken no yoshiashi de, hito o hyoka suru no wa yamenasai. Izen, watakushi wa, sono ayamata kangae kata de, kiristu no koto wa, jibun to onaji ningen to minashite imashita. Dare demo kristian ni naruto, uchigawa mataku atarashiku saremas. Mohaya, imamade to onaji ningen dewa arimasen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Thank you, Lisa. Good morning, church family. You guys doing all right? I missed you last week, not being able to gather like this. Uh, the once-in-a-while snowstorms we get here in Seattle. And I must confess to you that growing up in Alaska, when we have one of these snowstorms, I get very, very prideful in my heart and looking down on everyone like they would not have canceled school for that. Um, but they also would have had more than two snowplows for the entire county. So, uh, so yeah, missed you guys last week. Grateful for communication and online technologies and things that help us to stay connected. But there's just nothing quite like being together with people and being in the same room and being able to open the word of God and um, today, we're excited to be able to launch into a new teaching series that we will be in for the next few months, probably up through about Easter time. And we're going to be looking at the theme of renewal, the renewal that is ours in Christ Jesus and in the message of the gospel. You know, as we come to the end of the year and begin a new year, there's a lot of communications that you will probably see, whether you're on social media or if you're watching television or even like in my email inbox, there's a few news article, um, news uh, services that I subscribe to just to kind of get a daily news digest so I don't have to be on social media or watch TV as much or any of those sorts of things. And you get those kind of like year-end lists. Here's our top 10 most read articles from the last year. And boy, is that depressing. Um, to look back over all the articles that were the most read ones and, and you look back over it and, and think about like in some ways 2021 was supposed to be this year of, you know, getting out of the doldrums of 2020 and in some ways 2021 was probably worse. I, I think many of us as a society were still dealing with some of the collective trauma or whatever word you want to use from 2020. It has been two really difficult years for our society more broadly. 
But the other type of messaging that you get, and we watched one of the New Year's Eve rockin' countdowns or whatever, and it's all of this message of like, here's to the new year, and it's going to be the best year ever, and there's, you're going you're gonna to kill it. You're going to do so great this next year, and you're going to be the best you. And I'm sitting there on my couch in my sweatpants watching this, and I'm like, says who? Like, who knows what this next year will provide for us? And, and for many of us, just looking at not just the things that we've been through as a society, I mean, can we all at least acknowledge, we have been through pretty much, you know, for most all of our lifetime, something unprecedented as a society. And it's left many people hurting, exhausted, anxious, reactive, polarized. But it's not just the things that have happened out there in society. There are so many hardships and difficulties that I'm aware of just looking around this room and seeing the faces of people who I know and love. There have been really difficult conversations with doctors and medical professionals. There have been relationships that have been broken and strained because of politics or masks or COVID or, or, or a host of other things. I, 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 like, has anybody come into this kind of new year feeling a little bit like, like kind of like you're wincing? Like, I don't even know if I want to open the window or turn the, turn the page to the new year. I know I feel a little bit of that. We've been through quite a bit. And can I just say a piece of bad news? There is absolutely no guarantee whatsoever that 2022 is going to be better. Sorry, rocking New Year's Eve on NBC or whatever it was. No guarantee whatsoever. Which means we need a firmer foundation. We need a stronger focus. We need a deeper truth the truth that our Savior Jesus died and rose from the grave and is alive forevermore, and no uh, virus and no political upheaval can change that truth. That is our hope. And so when we, when, we, when we have a season like what we've had, there is a mercy in it. There is a mercy in it. it it's, the mercy is this. We would say, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we would say that Jesus is the most important person and the gospel is the most important thing in our life and the gospel is the, the foundation of our lives. But then what happens is, you know, years like what we've had happen and the crutches that we've leaned on kind of get kicked out from underneath us and we come to find out, oh no, I may have been leaning on other things more than I realized. I may have put my, my feet, my, my footing, not on the, the strong rock that is Jesus Christ, but maybe on other things. And so while it is painful and while it is disorienting, there is a mercy from God in it. Amen? There's an, there is a mercy, a, a painful mercy to realize, oh no, I've been, I've been leaning on other things more than I've been leaning on the Lord. And in that place of disorientation, the arms of Jesus are wide open, inviting us in close that he might do the work of renewal in our lives that he wants to do. And I will say, it is not just us as individuals. It is not just you as, as family units or married couples or, or however, you know, whatever season or stage of life that you're in. It's also us as a church community, more broadly, in need of renewal. You know, I, I, when I come to these, you know, first of the year sorts of sermons, I will often go back and look. What did I preach, you know, the beginning of 2020? I actually didn't want to look at that one. That one was too, uh, you know, 
I did not know what was going to happen in 2020, but looking back over the different years, you know, what's the first of the year and what's the, what's the message or those sorts of things and kind of looking back and just having time, even with the snow and just being a little bit more still, having time to just reflect back on the history of this church. And we're seven years old today, Sound City Bible Church. Happy birthday, seven years old. And, you know, but I realized too that from day one, Sound City Bible Church was planted out of a season of crisis. That we, we were launched, we were birthed because of other church crisis, and there was a lot of pain, and there was a lot of hardship, and the Lord was gracious to give us a, a season of some, some stability, but very quickly we entered into having to move and become a set-up teardown church, and, and there was just a lot of different challenges over the years that we have faced with, uh, with all sorts of different, you know, whether it's health issues or, or um, having to move or various challenges, and, and, and coming into the merger with Martha Lake Baptist Church, we were at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. I have a picture of it somewhere. I, my whiteboard was filled at one point with this thing that I had just, I'd called it Sound City 2.0. And the thought was, we're going to go through this merger, we have new leadership, a new location, a new, like we're going to seek the Lord for kind of what, what, what Sound City is going to be for the future, we were two weeks away from Martha Lake Baptist Church doing the vote to finalize the merger when COVID hit. We all had to go in timeout for a while. And the way I look at it now, I'm starting to see a little bit more clearly, is what that season did is it, I know I can be hyperbolic. I can be, yeah, I heard that, Josh. Uh, but quite literally, our, our whole world has been turned upside down in a number of ways over the course of the last two years. And I would say that if we were thinking two years ago, hey, we need to reestablish, we need to be renewed, we need to, to kind of think in like a new church in some ways, how true was that two years ago? How much more true is it now after what we've witnessed in our world? Because it's not just we as a church are different, but the world that we live in has quite literally shifted in very dramatic ways. And if we are to be on mission to reach our culture, to reach our world, we need to think differently because some things are just very different about the world that we find ourselves in. We need a season of renewal in order to keep in step with the, the mission that God gave us. And so right now is, you know, kind of New Year's on its own really doesn't maybe mean anything all that much. Like I said, we don't know what the next few weeks, months, years are going to have for us. But it is an opportunity to evaluate. What would it look like for the Lord to do a work of renewal in your own heart and mind as an individual follower of Jesus? What would it look like for the Lord to do a work of renewal in your family, for those of you who are married or have children? What would it look like for the Lord to do a work of renewal in this church community? And maybe most audacious of all, what would it look like for the Lord to do a work of renewal in our region, a work that, that maybe in, in years past you would call revival, where lots of people are coming to know the truth of Jesus and giving their lives to him. Any of that renewal is not about us. It's not, it's not to terminate on us. It's to, to go out into the world so that others might hear this message of reconciliation that we just heard in our scripture reading. And so this sermon series, it's a very long intro, I apologize, but... Uh, this sermon series, the heart behind it from myself and from the elder, elder team is to go through the word of God and to just focus on this theme of renewal and all of the ways that the message of the gospel makes us new from the inside out. 
So we're going to be doing this sermon series, looking at how the gospel renews our minds, how the gospel renews our hearts, our inner lives, how the gospel renews our marriages, our parenting, our singleness, our dating, our finances, our work, all sorts of different aspects of what it means to be a human being, what it means to be a follower of Jesus through the lens of renewal. And I also want to invite you, there's a, there's a couple of other things that we're doing in line with that. For the, for the part of it that's... that's um, for us as disciples, teaching through this series on Sundays, we are also calling you to a month of prayer. A month of prayer, focused, intentional prayer. Uh, Myung and Aaron Lynn, my wife, have helped um, me put together a prayer guide for the rest of the month of January, where every day we're asking you to focus on a couple of, here's a verse, here's a theme, here's something to focus on. And I'd like to invite each and every single one of you who calls Sound City Bible Church home to commit yourselves to praying, in addition to whatever prayer time that you spend, praying along with us collectively as a church in, in, in these different themes and in these different focus points. So that's up on the blog. We'll be sharing that out on social media as well. You can find it. Please, I'll remind you again at the end of the service, but please pull that up on your phone or print it out or however you want to get that and make sure that you're just setting aside some time in the morning or in the evening, whenever you set aside time for pray, prayer to join us. And then I also want to just invite you to be praying for us collectively as a church community as we are seeking the Lord for this season of renewal and seeking to, to even um, involve our network, the Harbor Network leadership, in helping kind of guide us out of the season that we've been in into a new season. So just be praying for us. And uh, very soon we'll be able to invite all of you to come to like a town hall, family gathering style meeting where we can just start to kind of lay out what it is that the Lord seems to be doing in our church and for us as we go forward. So more information will be coming about that going forward. But it all starts, it all starts. The absolute foundation, the absolute bedrock of any of this is the message of the gospel. So I would like to just spend a few minutes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, reminding you of where our renewal, our hope for renewal comes from, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll unpack some 2 Corinthians for a minute here. Lord, we bring our hearts to you, our, our weary hearts, our restless hearts, our anxious hearts. Lord, maybe some of us here today are very joyful. Some are, are filled with hope and optimism for this new year. Lord, wherever we are, we bring our hearts before you now, and we ask that you would remind us of our identity in Christ. You would remind us that we are new creations in Christ. You would remind us that we've been given the Holy Spirit of God. You'd remind us that our eternal hope is secure. And Lord, you would help us to seek you for a work of renewal in our own hearts and minds, in our church community, and in our region, that we would see lots of people come to know the Savior who we love and worship. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So 2 Corinthians, we have, uh, in our New Testaments, we have two letters that Paul wrote to his church in the city of Corinth. We call them 1 and 2 Corinthians, but best we can tell, they actually should be called 2 and 4 Corinthians. Because in 1 Corinthians, Paul references a previous letter that he had sent, and in what we call 2 Corinthians, he mentions another in-between letter. So there's probably four letters to the Corinthians. We call them first and second. They're second and fourth. But the, the reason I bring that up is that's a lot of correspondence for Paul to have with this one church. And if you know anything about the letters of Paul, you might know that the letters to the church in Corinth are among the more difficult and strong words that Paul has to share with any church. Like, if you ever read Philippians, it's pretty happy. It's pretty encouraging, Right? First Thessalonians is kind of gentle, right? 
you read Romans, it's very thoughtful. And you read Corinthians, like, oh, somebody messed up. <laughs> Somebody's in trouble here. And in fact, as you're reading through 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul kind of tips his hand right at the beginning of the letter. If you go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he writes this, what the letter is going to be about. He says, my name's Paul. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by God's will. Timothy, our brothers here, who writing this with me, to the church of God at Corinth with all the saints who are throughout the, the region of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty standard greeting, pretty standard opening. And then he says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So right there at the beginning of the letter, he says, this letter is about hardship, affliction, and comfort, about pain and resolution. And I was able to spend time reading through uh, pretty much the entirety of 2 Corinthians, the whole letter, and I just noticed there's all this different talk about hardship and affliction and pain. He talks about the church having affliction from being persecuted, like literal persecution. Uh, the, the authorities and the people in the community didn't like them following Jesus, and so the church was persecuted that way. Paul talks about his own afflictions. He says, man, that's really hard out there on the road. I'm traveling. I'm, I'm going around the whole world trying to preach the gospel. I'm having hardships all over the place. He talks about individuals in the church who are suffering because of their own sinful and foolish choices. One, one person in particular who has essentially destroyed his whole life because of sexual sin. And he talks about the way that people in the church are hurting and suffering because of the sinful and foolish choices of, of these others. Paul talks about uh, the church having pain by hearing hard words from him. Paul acknowledges that his letters are strong. In fact, there's one part, I'm paraphrasing, but I was reading it the other day, and he goes, man, you think my letters are strong. Imagine if I had to come there in person. He knows that the things he's saying are causing them pain, but he says it's a, it's a, it's a good kind of pain. It's a, it's, a, it's a stern word, it's a strong word of rebuke to save you from yourselves and from sin and from the hardship of death. And he talks about how the church has to go through the painful and difficult act of repenting. Uh, you know, how, how many of you know, we, we, we are not afraid to use the word repent at Sound City. We view repentance, I mean, this is a good gift from God, but how many of you know repenting is still not easy? It's not exactly the most pleasant thing to do, to humble yourself, to die to yourself, like Jesus would say. Paul also writes a lot, especially later in the letter, about the pain that he has from them questioning him as an apostle. They'd kind, of, they'd kind of, you know, Paul get, helped get the church started, and it's like they don't like Paul anymore. They like these other super apostles, Paul calls them. Oh, I'm not like one of those super apostles that you like. And Paul talks about how painful that is, that they're questioning his, his leadership. They're questioning his love for them. And Paul also issues, right towards the end of the letter, a very painful warning. Test yourself. Make sure you're Christians. He says, test yourself and see if you're in the faith. And he says, if I have to come to you a third time, it will not be a good visit. That's what he says. It's like at the end of the letter. So the whole letter of 2 Corinthians is this church in pain from, I mean, a variety of different sources, all sorts of different things going on in this church. And right smack dab in the middle of it, Paul offers this gospel-drenched word of hope. 
Where, where is the hope? Where is the, where is the hope in the middle of something that's so chaotic where, where the culture is having issues and the church is having issues and Paul is having issues with people and there's sin happening? Where is the hope for the Apostle Paul? It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, friends, where is our hope? It's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the central idea today is, is simply this. Disciples of Jesus must find their ultimate hope in the renewing power of the gospel. This is our ultimate hope. This is the foundation upon which anything else must be built, the good news of Jesus. Now, I want to distinguish. There, there is the message of the gospel. There's the, there's the news of the gospel what we hear and receive, and then there's the work of the gospel. And these two things are related. They're, they're, they're inextricable, but they're not exactly the same. You can see this in, let's say, uh, verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5.18. He says this, Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So I need you to think, think through this. There's, there's the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is nothing that we do. It is all about Jesus and what he has done. We hear it, we receive it, we believe it. And when we hear it, receive it, and believe it, that message of the gospel starts to do something in us and through us into the world. There's what the gospel is, and there's what the gospel does. You tracking with me on this? I think it's really important because even as we were singing earlier and we were reminded from our assurance, it's, we, we have been saved not through anything that we have done. The, the news is not something you do. If you do the news, you're in trouble, okay? The news is something you hear. The news is something you receive. The news is something you believe. And if it's good news, it starts to do something in you that then leads to good work. So that's our starting framework. There's news to be received and then there's work to be done. But I do have to start with the bad news. Now, in, in the letter to second, the, the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians, the bad news is not maybe quite as explicitly laid out. So if I could borrow from the book of Romans for just a moment, because in the book of Romans, Paul makes a few mentions of some things that are running in the background here in 2 Corinthians, but it's a little more explicit in Romans. He says this, first of all, he says, the bad news is that we as human beings have failed to live out our calling as image bearers of God. God made men and women in his image and likeness, to be his, his co-rulers, to partner with him in, in, in stewarding and ruling over all of creation. But what did Adam and Eve choose to do? They chose to exercise their dominion and power and authority outside of God's will. And ever since then, every human being that has ever lived has also chosen to do life, to live life on our own terms, apart from the will of God at times. Raise your hand if you have ever sinned. If you're not raising your hand, you're sinning right now, okay? We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We failed to be his image bearers. Because of that, humans are now subjected to mortality and death. We were not meant to die. We were meant to live, eating from the tree of life, living in fellowship and communion with God forever. But because of our sinfulness, we've been cut off from that ultimate source of life. And, and, and now there's mortality. And now there's death. Uh, Paul writes in Romans that death entered the world through one man, Adam. And that death spread like a virus to all mankind because of Adam and Eve opening that door. And it's not just humanity. It's all creation now is in bondage to decay. He talks about that in Romans chapter 8, that the, the whole world... 
ecology and politics and societies and everything is, is like in chains. It's trapped. It's, it's in bondage to decay. I feel like I know that more now than I ever have before, just from living in the world that we live in. Anyone sometimes feel like we're just living in a world that is just marked by nothing but death? So this is the bad news that's running in the background. This is the bad news that Paul makes very explicit in the book of Romans. It's the bad news that's running in the background in, in, in 2 Corinthians when he's talking about all this need for reconciliation and all these sorts of things. He says, I've got a hope. I've got a hope. There's all the pain. There's all the hardship. There's all the bad news. But the hope is the gospel of Jesus. And it all starts with seeing Jesus. Verse 16, he says, from, then on, from now on, then we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. And even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Okay. What Paul is saying here is there's a way to think about Jesus that's just from a human perspective. You know, if you go to um, even a secular university, you can take a comparative religion class and you can study the life of Jesus, the historical figure, Jesus of Nazareth, a real person who lived in the first century in the Middle East, in the, in the region of Judea. You can study the first century Roman Empire. You can study the customs and the practices. A few months ago, I discovered a podcast that is a podcast done by biblical archaeologists interviewing other biblical archaeologists. It is so nerdy. It is so dry and nerdy, and I love it. I'm so happy every time I listen to it. And they talk about how, you know, you can find the ruins of this one city and it really brings to life this verse in Mark chapter 11. And it's, it's cool and it's nerdy and I love history and I love archaeology and I love studying the world of, 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 you know, that Jesus would have lived in. But Paul is saying there's something more about how we approach Jesus. We don't approach him as just a rabbi, as just a teacher, as just a first century Jewish leader. Friends, we know Jesus is the word made flesh. We know Jesus is God incarnate. We know that Jesus is the Son of God. He is more than just a mere man. Amen? So we do not, we, we, we can learn from these other disciplines. We can learn from history. But the Word of God tells us that He is more than just a mere man. So it starts with seeing the Jesus of the Bible, not just the Jesus of history, not just the Jesus, as though there was some sort of conflict between those two things. But no, there is this portion that we're, we're, where God opens our minds to see Jesus in a different sort of way. Who is Jesus to you? Just an interesting historical figure? Just a good religious teacher? No, for followers of Jesus, we know that he is the Word made flesh. He is God himself come into human existence. So this gospel message that we hear and receive starts with just knowing who Jesus is. And it moves into understanding that Jesus came to bring us grace and to forgive us. Verse 18 says, Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Get this, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us, not counting their trespasses against them. Is anybody awake here today? Not counting their trespasses against them. If you are like me and you've been a part of church for any length of time, it can become easy for those words to almost just sound routine. This is mind-blowing that God 
would see all of the devastation and all of the the harm that we have done to one another and to his good creation. And rather than bringing a message of judgment for us, he comes with a message of grace. That your sins, my sins, can be forgiven, can be washed away, can be made white as snow, and we can be renewed because of the work of Jesus that the separation from God has been dealt with and there's reconciliation and it's all been accomplished by Jesus. Maybe one of the most mind-blowing verses that the Apostle Paul ever wrote, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That the message of the gospel is that Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. He never did what every other human being has done. He has perfectly lived as the image of the invisible God. He said no to self and to sin and all of the things that we give into and we say yes to. He lived the perfect life. And when he was nailed on the cross, that was a punishment that we deserve that he took for us in our place. And when he rose from the grave on the third day, it was a stamp on the paperwork that says the debt has been paid in full and we are forgiven and given new life in Christ. This is good news to anybody here today. This is what we hear. This is what we receive. This is what we believe, that Jesus is more than just a mere man, that he came with a message of God's forgiveness. He lived a perfect life. He died. He rose again. And he calls all of us to respond to him with repentance and faith. This is the message of the gospel. This is the hope that we have. Once we believe this, it starts to to well up a response within us. The first response, the first and most important response is faith, repentance and faith. And if you're here today and you've not placed your faith in Jesus, I implore you, hear the good news of the gospel. Believe the good news of the gospel Give your sins to Jesus and receive his forgiveness and his grace and his eternal life. All along the way, Paul's talking about what the gospel is, this good news about Jesus, but he's also talking about what the gospel does. There's a few things I want to highlight from these verses. In verse 17, the first thing he says that the gospel does is it renews us as people. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. The old has passed away. See? The new has come. Now, if there ever was a church community where Paul could focus on the old, uh, it would be the church in Corinth. And in fact, there is a lot, even in the letters of First and Second Corinthians, where Paul is correcting sinful behavior, telling them to not do X, Y, and Z, but instead to put on those things. But right here in the middle of this, what does Paul say is the most deepest and fundamental truth about these, these messed up followers of Jesus? They are a new creation. Do you ever have one of those days or one of those weeks where you just you look at yourself in the mirror and you think, really, I'm still still struggling with this? Anyone ever have one of those glimpses of just your ugliest self? Is that just me? Anyone ever have one of those things where it's like, oh, I can't believe I'm still wrestling 
with this part of me and who I am. Well, I have good news for you. Well, yes, you're called to put sin to death. Yes, you're a work in progress. There is no perfect person in here. The deepest, most true thing about you is that you are, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, and the new is here. Yeah, well, Aaron, I feel, I don't feel very new. There's a lot of that old still in there. Yeah, God knows. But his word is true. And he says you're a new creation. So we can put that sin to death. We can repent of it. We can keep taking steps forward because what is true about us is we are renewed in Christ and he sees you through that lens. It's not just that we as individuals become renewed, that relationships and the way that we do humanity becomes new. He talks about that God has reconciled us and then has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. That that in Christ... The way that we do society and the way that we do family and the way that we do community all gets renewed, all gets changed. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk in our culture right now about issues of justice and issues of equity. And um, you can feel the shoulder muscles of everyone in the room tense up when I start to talk about this. Here's the thing. Yeah, relax. There's a lot of of good in those sorts of conversations. There's a lot just in our society where we do need to talk about justice and equity and fairness. But I have been convinced for many years now that our best attempts at having a just and equitable and fair society will ultimately fall short if our motivation and our foundation is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anything that's not based on that will ultimately fall short because we're trying to do something out of human strength and human effort. And I don't know if you know about, like, oh, the history of the whole entire world, but there's been a lot of fighting and a lot of brokenness. And if Jesus comes and says, I'm going to deal with the brokenness between God and humanity, the blood of Jesus bringing reconciliation there, then yes, the blood of Jesus can bring reconciliation between white and black, between men and women, between rich and poor, and all of the other ways that we are divided as human beings. The gospel of Jesus Christ as our foundation gives us a real hope for true justice and reconciliation. Paul says that the whole creation is being renewed. He says he's reconciling the whole world to himself. And it also makes me think of back in Romans 8 about the the, the creation itself being set free from the bondage of decay. And we know that one day Jesus will return and his kingdom will be established in full and we will have a new heavens and a new earth. But until that day, God is actually doing a work of renewal even in the world itself. I think that one of the things that really breaks my heart about um, particularly kind of modern... American Christianity is we, we, we often emphasize the spiritual so much and devalue the physical world that God made. God made our bodies. God made nature. God made trees. God made all of it. And he said what? He said it was very good. And so, and we'll actually, we'll talk about that more um, later on in the, in the teaching series about God's renewal of creation. And then lastly, I want to highlight this. Paul says there's a, a whole renewed purpose for living your life. He says, you know, he has 
reconciled us and then committed this message of reconciliation to us. We are, get this, ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What's God's plan A for getting the word out? It's us. I mean, like, not just, just us, but I mean, just like us. Like, yes, us, with everyone else who's saved by Jesus, right? Like, look around the room. It's us. We're the plan A. Wow. Okay, God. Here, um, one of the great tragedies of living in an area like where we live is that it's very easy to have a pretty comfortable life. Okay? Even the poorest among us in this room almost certainly have a cell phone and Netflix. A lot of people are pretty content. They've got a couple cars. They've got a 401k. You know, some of their biggest stresses is when Starbucks is going to add pumpkin spice lattes back on the menu or, you know, what did, what, what's gone from HBO Max this month or what's our next family vacation or how's my investment portfolio doing? Friends, there's nothing wrong with taking a family vacation or watching something on Netflix. But isn't it a tragedy when that basically becomes life's ultimate purpose? The comforts and conveniences of suburban life? And if, if it's tragic to watch someone live that way, how much more tragic for those of us who know Jesus to say, that becomes my ultimate purpose in life? We've been given a new purpose to go tell others that there is reconciliation and forgiveness from God. And our world is in chaos right now. And there are people out there that need to hear in in fresh and creative ways this good news and the hope of the gospel. Look at all this renewing work that the gospel message does. And again, we're going to be getting into a lot of these themes more as we go on. But it all starts with this fundamental foundation of the gospel message itself, which leads me to my last point. This gospel invites us into a completely renewed perspective. Go back to verse 16. It says, From now on, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from this worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. You know, the message of the gospel rearranges the very way that we interact with the whole world, with ourselves, with other people. It's this whole new way of looking at life. It's this whole new way of looking at society. And I think that this is really, really important at this time, uh, New Year's, but also at this time just in our society and in this time in our church, because there's a lot of good advice out there. One of the other sorts of emails you'll get or things you'll see on social media is, here's 10 ways to save money in 2022. Here's eight tips on shedding those extra pesky pounds of belly fat you want to get rid of. Here's, you know, five ways to spice up your relationship or whatever, right? Now listen, some of those lists, you know, tips and tricks and techniques and those sorts of things, probably have some really good advice. If you followed them, you might actually save a few bucks. You might actually lose a few pounds. But... 
For us as followers of Jesus, the message of the gospel is infinitely greater than any tips or tricks or techniques. You might need a new budget. Praise God. Let's do it. But you don't give your life for a budget planning technique. You give your life for the message of the gospel, the one who gave his life for you. As we seek the Lord for a season of renewal for our church, there's a lot of advice on what churches should or shouldn't do or how to, how to go about you know, crafting a vision statement and how to go about evaluating your values and all those sorts of things. Good, helpful tips, good, helpful tools. If Sound City Bible Church is to be anything, we are to be a church that is built upon the foundation of the message of the gospel that Christ Jesus, the righteous, gave his life in exchange for ours so that we might be new creations in Christ Jesus. So I like helpful tips. I like different techniques. Those things are all fine, and they all have their place. Well, some of them are not fine. Some of them are just terrible. But I'm inviting you, brothers and sisters, to not stake your life on any earthly human perspective, any human advice or tips or tricks or techniques, I'm calling you and inviting you to absolutely go, go all in on the message of the gospel. And as we begin this new year and as we begin this new teaching series and we begin this new season, may we have lives that are increasingly built on the firm foundation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And even now, as we come to the table of the Lord to eat and to drink, it is yet another reminder, it is another a declaration that we are gospel people. We are people of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So let's pray together now as we prepare our hearts to go to the table of the Lord. Lord, we thank you that it is the message of the gospel by which we are saved. Lord, we are not saved by any, uh, you know, year in review news list or any uh, way to improve your relationship or your budget. Lord, we are saved by the message of the gospel. And Lord, would you help us amidst the busyness and amidst the noise and amidst the clamor in which we live, Lord, would you help us to remain people whose focus is on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help us as a church community to never drift away from this foundational message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you help us to get this message out as ambassadors to a world that needs to hear, especially in a part of the world where people are living and dying for their retirement account and their next family vacation. Lord, we want them to know that there is a God who loves them and salvation that is available in the name of Jesus Christ. So now as we come to the table, Lord, even as we eat and drink here in a moment, would you renew us from the inside out through this act? We pray this all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.